as the basket goes around the room, we're in uh, the letter to the Colossians. So if you don't have a place that you're currently reading in the Bible, you might just want to be kind of reading along. We're not going fast, so we're not out of the first chapter yet, so you're not a long ways behind. Uh, but you might just want to do some reading, some meditation on this letter as we travel through it together. Uh, we're, we're, I picked up just a phrase as I was uh, roaming around, and that phrase is uh, a life shaped by God, not by things, not by feelings, but a life shaped by God. And so that's the thread that I'm trying to follow as we go through Colossians verse by verse and chapter by chapter. So a life shaped by God. Uh, as we uh, discover another way that our life is shaped by God, I just reflected upon the beginning of my life on the planet. Uh, my dad was a geologist. Uh, my parents grew up in Washington State. Uh, there was not a lot of geological things happening in Washington State, so Shell Oil hired him, and the first place they moved was Ely, Nevada. And my sister Kathy was born in Ely. After two years, they moved to Bakersfield, California. And uh, that's where I was born. And then we were transferred to Amarillo. And then we were transferred to Oklahoma City. And then we were transferred back to Amarillo. And as I was thinking about that, I thought, you know, that probably doesn't happen anymore. Do companies like really transfer people around? Does that still happen? Oh, it's still happening. Okay. A lot. Well, I can remember, I have memories, I don't have memories of Bakersfield. That was, that, I was there too young. Uh, I, I was told I rolled around in, a, you know, in the crib in an earthquake. I don't, I don't know, I don't, I guess that happened. Uh, but I do remember, in Amarillo, I do remember that there was a tornado, and so therefore, you know, we lifted the little latch to go under the house. I have that, that's a really strong memory in my head, and I was really young. Oklahoma City, I remember the snow. We had this big hill, and we'd go sledding on that hill, and it was great until I fell off and my friend ran over me. It was great. That was just really fun. And then coming back to Amarillo, we stayed from my third grade on through college. That's where my parents lived. But those transfers, I just that there's just something imprinted on my brain about those different places that I lived. And I realized that as God transferred my family around, that he does the same thing. God transfers us. God's in the business of rescuing us. And he rescues us by what we celebrated today. He rescues us by his love. He rescues us by sending Jesus. He rescues us by what Jesus did for us. Jesus purchased us. By the shedding of his blood, by redemption, by the forgiveness of our sins. And once he, once he rescues us, then he transfers us. He transfers us out of the dominion of darkness, the power of darkness, into the kingdom of his beloved son. Now, what I think is what, what's amazing even though I have these memories of my natural family bouncing around Texas and Oklahoma, once we're transferred out of the domain of darkness, things get much brighter for us because you're going from darkness to light. You're going from bondage to freedom. And, and though I know that I lived in darkness and there are times that I'll have flashbacks 
like a distant home. Those memories of darkness are a lot less bright than what it's like to be in the kingdom of the beloved son, Jesus. And I think what Paul is trying to do for us as we travel through this paragraph, he's trying to say, don't look back. Don't look back from where you've been transferred. Keep your eyes on where you are. And so what do we see when we, when we come into the kingdom of his beloved son? What do we see? At the forefront, we see the father's beloved son, Jesus. We see Jesus. When I pray the Lord's Prayer, our Father in the heavenlies, I add, and our Lord Jesus Christ, risen, alive, at the right hand of the Father. I see Him. When I'm reading the Bible, and I'm, and I'm kind of learning about His life, and I, I see Him. There are times that we're worshiping Jesus, and I, I, just, I, I just see just this, this faint shadow. I know he's here. I know he's present. I will be with you always. We see Jesus. We never want to stop seeing Jesus. We see him in that kingdom. And we see when we see him, we see God. Jesus is the likeness of the invisible God. None of us has ever seen God. Again, if you just travel through the Bible, people don't see God. Elijah got to see God passing, like just this passing little, but people don't see God. God made appearances, theophanies, God appearances, fire. God, God's voice was heard, but God isn't, he's not corporal like we are. But when you see Jesus... When you see Jesus, you see God. That's incredible. We see God. We get to see God because Jesus is that likeness. We see when we see Jesus, we see God, we see the first of all creation. He's the first of all creation. He's the creator. In relation to him, everything was created. In in location to Jesus, everything that we know of was created. The heavenlies, the earth, that's that's the universe. Jesus is the creator. And we get to see him in the kingdom. He created the visible and the invisible and the invisible includes the thrones, the dominions, the rulers, the powers. Paul's talking about these, these power structures that are invisible. And Jesus created those. Everything. Everything was created through Jesus and everything was created for him. When we are transferred from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of his son, we see Jesus. And who he is. He is before 
all things. Everything continues in him. We're here today because Jesus allows it to continue. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning. He's the first from the dead. And all of that moves towards this purpose. So that Jesus might come to have first place in everything. So that Jesus might come to have first place in everything. So I can't wiggle out of a life shaped by God is a life learning to place Jesus first in everything. I, I have to tell you, I think it's impossible for that to be an instant act. As I look back on my life with Jesus, I did not place Jesus first from the beginning. I have learned through the years to place Jesus first in everything. So I'm not trying to get us off the hook. I'm just trying to be a realist. It takes our lifetime of following Jesus together to place Jesus first in everything. Everything is pretty expansive. Everything. Now, as I work my way back through what Paul shared about Jesus, there's just some things that we could just kind of explore. Is Jesus first in? Is Jesus first in revealing the unseen God? I mean, people all over the globe, people are spiritual. I'm reading a book. I am challenged to read books by the previous director of the vineyard. And he always gives us books that are like, woo! And so we're reading a book about the theology of religion from a pneumatological approach, which is basically saying that maybe it's the Holy Spirit that's drawing people all over the globe to Jesus and through all these different religions. The Holy Spirit's active. I mean, it just, it's kind of this mind-blowing book. It's one of those books that says, Susan, let me read a paragraph to you. I do it for fun because she'll say, I don't get it. <laughs> Well, I don't either, but I just like to, it just sounds good for me to read it. (laughs) But as we run into people and as we travel, you know, if we're going to be people that want people to know God, we have got to know that Jesus is the first in revealing God. I mean, it doesn't get better. I mean, I like having Muslim friends. And sometimes my Muslim friends, like this young guy sitting on my back porch, Came up with this analogy. Scott, if I had a 57 Chevy or a 1999 Corvette, which would you like? And I was a little wiser because I knew where he was going. I said, I'd like the 57 Chevy. So, well, well, wait a minute. (laughs) You'd really want the newer. You'd like the newer. I said, no, I'd really like the classic 57 Chevy. See, from a Muslim point of view, there's a new revelation after Jesus. The Corvette. It's the newest revelation. But not to me. Because it doesn't get any better than Jesus. There's not a next next revelation. So I want my Muslim friends 
to kind of back back up. Let's get in the 57 Chevy and drive it around a while. Jesus. Jesus is where we find God revealed. I had a conversation this week about creation. Is this an old earth? Is this a new earth? We could have those conversations till the cows go home. Some of us are a little bit more scientific and we want we kind of want the Bible to be maybe more scientific than it is. Then sometimes we get frustrated because the Bible is not a scientific textbook. And so sometimes we say, well, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go with science. And then some of us say, no, I can't go. No, I, this, I'm not going to. No, I'm going to stick. Well, it doesn't really, I, it doesn't really matter because none of us really know other than this. Jesus has to be in that conversation according to what we're reading today. Because everything, he was before everything. And in him, everything was created. The how it was created I know it was created in Jesus. In relation to Jesus, everything came into being, this whole universe. So whatever conversation you're having about creation, make it a conversation. But make sure Jesus is in first place in that conversation. Whether you're going to be more scientific or not, doesn't matter. It's Jesus. How about in the spheres of power? Power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. And so in the spheres of power, and whatever jurisdiction we're talking about, we're in this election season, the powers to be are going nuts. This might disturb you, and I'm not kidding you, but in the lexicon, when you start like exploring the, the hierarchy of the angelic powers that, that Paul's talking about, well, some of those powers, those jurisdictions, decided to rebel against God. They had the choice. They did that. And the lexicon literally says this. Don't, if you want me to bring my lexicon, I'll bring it to you. But it says, the quote is, those forces that rebelled against God and began to follow Beelzebub, the devil, evil spirits, demons, or organized like political parties. Wow! That's in my Greek lexicon. Wow! So the powers can get twisted and can get off track. The good things can be like really railroaded. So again, with all of these spheres of power, who has to be first? Who has to be first? Jesus. He's got to be first. And if Jesus is not first in that sphere of power, whatever that sphere of power is, It'll get off track. Talks about Jesus sustaining the universe. That that brings up the conversation about creation care. For years, people said, it doesn't matter. It's all going to burn. Wait a minute. Is it? 
He's redeeming it. He's going to purge. He's going to cleanse. But he's redeeming. He's redeeming what he created. Why do the, why do the trees praise him? Why is creation groaning for its redemption? It's not, a, it's not a throwaway planet. But again, in this conversation that we have, oh man, we can get ugly in that conversation. Jesus has to be first in that. So whether you're going to be on the side of, oh, there's not much climate change or there's a lot of climate change. Whether, wherever you are in that, Jesus has got to be in that conversation. He's got to be first in that conversation. Because he's sustaining this. I want to talk about the church. If Jesus doesn't have first place in the church, what does the church become? Can get off track, right? And we don't we don't need to name any denomination because every denomination has had times where Jesus is first and when Jesus is not. And when Jesus is not first, it goes off the rails. Jesus must be first in the church. We gather together. For Jesus, first and foremost, in life, in death, Jesus is first. It's incredible. So that all of that, I mean, all of that just conversation, where is Jesus? Is Jesus working his way into first in everything in our lives? Does Jesus hold first place in us? That's the question we've got to ask ourselves. We've got to ask that individually. We've got to ask that as a group of people gathered together. Does Jesus hold first place in us? So may I invite the Holy Spirit just to kind of walk us through some ministry based on that question? Just stay right where you are. Let's invite the Spirit to come. We need his help. Come Holy Spirit, help us. I want you to close your eyes because I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes. But I'm asking him to open the eyes of our heart. Our interior eyes. Come Holy Spirit. Open our eyes to see Jesus. To see Jesus, our King. To see Jesus in His kingdom of light. Open our eyes, Holy Spirit, to see Jesus. Holy Spirit, empower us to worship Jesus for who He is in this universe. 
Holy Spirit, we need your help. Show us who and what competes for first place in our lives. Who or what competes with Jesus in our lives? Holy Spirit, show us. Holy Spirit, convict us. Finally, Holy Spirit, teach us how to place Jesus in first place in all our thoughts, our emotions, our actions, as we live day by day, even when we recall the past, live in the present, and hope for the future. Teach us. Holy Spirit, to place Jesus in first place. Amen. My friends, a life shaped by God is a life learning to place Jesus first in everything. I had one of the worst nights of rest that I've had in a long time because I wrote this yesterday. And it was because of the end. And for whatever reason, my mind was going backwards, not forwards. And I was having memories and memories and memories of all the ways that I messed up in my past. And it was just, again, it was just... This test, am I going to allow Jesus to have first place over even the mess-ups in my life? And I wrestled with that literally, literally, like all all night long. So I'm I'm again, I'm back here to say, I'm not not saying that we're going to walk out here today, oh yeah, Jesus is first in my life. Maybe is of something. But we got to learn. And to, today is just the beginning. It's just, it's just allowing the Spirit of God to bring the Word of God to the forefront in our mind so that He can begin to teach us, teach us how to place Jesus first in everything. There's always an assignment. I mean, have you, ever, have you picked that up? Like, we're supposed to like... Learn something like we go, we leave, and we're like, we have an assignment this week. Does, does, anybody, does anybody recognize that? It's good that we would recognize that because that's how transformation happens. This is our, our morning together. This is just the beginning. So I, I'm, I'm here to say, let's take a step. Today, tomorrow, keep going, keep going, each day, each day. Let's learn this week to place Jesus first in at least something. So think it. Just that this is this is the last question. What is it? What is it that you want Jesus to be first in your life this week? Jesus, I want you to be first in this.
This is the last thing I'm going to ask. Before you leave the room, tell somebody what that is so they can encourage you and they can pray for you. That Jesus would become first in everything. Amen. Amen. Thank you for our morning together. Grateful.